Class of 2025 power forward Nico Bundalo wants a UNC scholarship offer, and uh, that's the type of young man that Hubert Davis typically wants. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Thursday, July 27th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us today. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk Drake May versus USC's Caleb Williams, and I want to talk about the recruiting angle of college game day being at the North Carolina game on week one against South Carolina. Speaking of Carolina football, don't forget... All access with UNC football comes on ACC Network later on today, Thursday afternoon at 4 Eastern time. It's just a half an hour, I think. And then the second episode of that will be in several weeks. So make sure you check that out. I know I'm going to be watching it. Okay, I want to talk about Nico Bandalo, a class of 2025 power forward. As reported by On3's Jamie Shaw, this young man, once a UNC offer. Here's the thing. That's who Hubert Davis wants to be part of this program. Is people that want to come be a Tar Heel. We've heard him talk about that over and over and over again. You want to be a Tar Heel? Hubert Davis wants to talk to you. Now, obviously, you you can't just be some rando basketball player that's not good. You got to be a really good basketball player that's North Carolina caliber. But here's the good news. It seems like Nico Bandalo is a high enough caliber quality basketball player that North Carolina would want him. So the backstory on it is that Nico's mom grew, was in, lived in Chicago at some point in her life and or is from Chicago, I think he said. And you just follow the, the thread there. Mom lived in Chicago, Bulls fan, MJ, and that's all she wrote. He's a Carolina fan. I'm telling you, Michael Jordan is just the gift that keeps on giving to the Tar Heels decade after decade after decade. So these, these young men that Hubert Davis is looking for, it's a precious commodity, all the more so now in the one-time transfer era because it, it continues to be the case that there is less and less like loyalty to this team you've always loved and I know it's always been a thing right where you, you got to look at fit and who's on the roster and are there spots for me uh, that that's always part of the consideration but again all the more so now if somebody who's good enough to play at your school really wants to be there and he's the right character and right fit and all that stuff you really want to get him to be part of that team and again uh or not again, but another thing that I, Hubert Davis is, and staff are going to have to look at is to make sure that for someone like Bandalo, it's not just the allure of wearing a Carolina uniform or getting a UNC offer or using a Carolina offerage, uh, Carolina offer to leverage other big offers, right? There's this uh, due diligence of making sure that he is legitimate in this and not just saying it because it's Carolina or, you know, that somebody else might say with Kansas or Duke or Kentucky or Indiana or something of that nature. But obviously coach Davis and staff, if they do end up talking to Bandala, they're going to suss all that out and figure out if it's real or legit or not, or any of that stuff. So 
with all that in mind, again, somebody that seems to be good enough to play at Carolina and certainly his, his rankings at the recruiting site suggests so. Not a scrub, wants to play at Carolina, so we should investigate. Absolutely. So he is in the class of 2025, a rising junior, two years left of high school. He's a lefty. That sticks out to me because that's me. And you can tell, like, if just watch tape, watch highlights of him playing, and you'll notice it pretty quickly on his shot. Like, oh, that looks a little bit different. It's because he's a lefty. He's a 6'9", 210 power forward, uh, plays at Western Reserve Academy in Ohio, although um, his heritage is Serbian. Plays on the Adidas circuit in the summers. And in fact, that is where he broke out was this is this summer on the Adidas circuit. And that's like what's put him on the map and on teams radars. And he's been racking up offers ever since. So in terms of those rankings, if if you are are dialed in with me on shows where we talk about potential recruits who might come play at Carolina. There are four services we typically look at ESPN, 247 Sports, Rivals, and On3. Now, Bandalo's not currently ranked at ESPN, um, but at the other three, he is On3, he's 53rd, Rivals 34th, and 247, he's the highest 22nd. And he's a four-star recruit at all three of those services. So that's what we're looking at there. In terms of what he can do, he is a very nice stretch for. He does the things that you want a true power forward to do. And again, that's, that role to me is critical in the Hubert Davis um, style of play. He, by everything I've read and heard about him is working to be extremely versatile so that he can fit into basically any roster or any school that he would want to be at. Now, as I watch tape on him, Nico is not a wow, jump off the page elite of the elite athletes. His shot does have a little bit of a slow release, right? And you expect that a lot of times from some of these big guys, but uh, it's got to grow. Like if he, if he wants to be, top of the heap good got to get a quicker release keep working on that speed and and all those kind of things but some things that pop out to me that southpaw craftiness is often uh, a real asset for for basketball players because it's just a release that others aren't used to seeing can be tricky to contend and defend and things like that he really legitimately can shoot out to the three. Got a nice stroke from what I've seen. I, again, I said it's slow, but has a nice sidestep, pull up, uh, other things like that, quick turnaround. Um, and, and so he can shoot well. Again, I just want to see it be a little bit quicker. Block shots well. Um, I've seen him rebound, lead the break, and go coast to coast, lay it up or dunk it on the other end. And so clearly he's got at least some level of ball handling ability. And that, like when I've seen him do that, it's not against just scrubs. It's in like, a, a summer AAU type setting against other high level basketball players. And so that's encouraging. So all that said, this guy wants an offer or at least a conversation from Hubert Davis. And the question is, is Hubert Davis going to do that? Um, all that said, I, I think so. I, I at least think that Hubert Davis will do his due diligence or have a member of his coaching staff do due diligence. But here's the thing. If you've been 
tracking with us throughout starting to look at the class of 2025 and who all Hubert Davis has offered. He's already offered four power forwards, all of whom are ranked higher in the 2025 rankings than Bandalo is. So these guys that are already out there are elite, elite level. So I'm curious to see what he's going to do here with Nico. Will he, he Hubert Davis wait to see what's already happened, what happens with the other power forwards he's offered before he kind of goes down the recruiting list. Um, a lot of it's going to depend on the staff's evaluation of him. If they do evaluate him to see like, is he somebody that's lower, but's going to keep popping, you know, could, could we get in on him before he just blows up completely, completely. And because if, if Carolina truly is a dream school for him, if, if they believe that he is a player, they want go get him now. And so we'll keep an eye on it. Wait to see what happens always, always super interesting with all these recruiting stories, what, what makes it tick and pick and who you got to talk to and all that. So Nico Bandalo, a name to at least be aware of at this point in the class of 25. Now, as I said, we want to look at Drake may who he is and the player and why so many people seem to think that USC's Mr. Caleb Williams, last year's Heisman winner is a clear cut favorite over and above Drake may. I don't buy it, and I want to talk about it with Brian Smith. We're going to do that in just a minute. But first, I need to tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire feels like a high-stakes wager for your small business, and you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs, who helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to create a free job post, and then you just add uh, your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. And then you use simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skill set and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and then ultimately hire. Let's be honest, the right team member can have a positive and measurable impact on your business. And that's why small businesses consistently rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Really excited to be joined here in just a minute by Brian Smith, Locked On's football recruiting insider. But I want to let you know as we get into that, that our recruiting segments with Brian Smith are brought to us also by LinkedIn, the college recruiting sponsor across the Locked On podcast network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post that job for free at linkedin.com slash Locked On College. And again, terms and conditions apply. Last several weeks, Brian, we've been talking about specific recruits that Carolina has landed in the June and July rush of recruiting. And today I want to shift gears a little bit and just talk about a little bit of a national conversation that you and I have had several times off air. And I just thought it appropriate to bring it into the, the ears and eyeballs of our listeners and watchers today. And that is this there, you know, it's always fun to have these debates ahead of a season about comparing and contrasting to players, especially when they are high-level, Heisman-type, high-draft-level type players. And those two players are North Carolina's Drake May and USC's Caleb Williams, who won the Heisman last year, right? And 
Um, I have seen people make statements that are basically like unquestioned Caleb Williams over Drake May and meaning that both in terms of college performance this year and in terms of NFL draft stock and status. So I want to take those two things individually, but I want to have both of those conversations because Brian, I don't think I can get on board with saying that Caleb Williams is unquestionably ahead of Drake May. So let's start with the 23 college football season. Where are you at on that, on that conversation? There are two points that I would favor towards Drake. Number one, he was a redshirt freshman last year. He was his first year. Caleb played, and he had some moments as a freshman at Oklahoma, and he still had a lot of talent around him. But like the Kansas game, his freshman year, he was garbage in that game. Just one of those deals. He was a freshman. He was awful. And he's obviously now, I mean, he doesn't have awful games. I'm not saying he's that guy now. But the first year, you're going to have some struggles. Drake, in comparison, although it was a redshirt freshman year, what would you say is somebody that follows Carolina was his bad game? Did he have like a game that he threw three picks or did he even have anything in that stratosphere? I would probably say it was in that four game losing streak at the end, maybe Georgia tech or the honestly, it's either Georgia tech Clemson or NC state. And I've said those out of order, but one of those three at the tail end, he was trying to play hero ball. And that's something that got Caleb in trouble a little bit. And I'll talk about that momentarily. They both don't have enough players around them, especially this is where they both share the exact same problem. Hmm. When their defenses go onto the field, you close your eyes. <laughs> and that's, hey, look, that shouldn't be the case ever at USC, real quick. That's, I, I, I'm a Notre Dame fan, and I know USC well. That makes no sense to me, but that's where they're at. They got to score or they get beat. I mean, they lost a game this last year like they scored a 40. Come on. That's, that's no good. But Williams did his part, and they still lost. Now Drake has a full year under his belt coming into this season. He's going to be more motivated and is in a second year. Those are the two points that I think are more in favor of him. And here's the other one. Caleb Williams is the closest thing to Houdini as we're going to see. We got him. We got him. We got him. We didn't even physically touch him. Like he can, he can be a receiver. If he just stopped playing quarterback and said, screw playing quarterback, I'm going to play receiver. He could do it. He's that guy. But eventually, he's going to get tagged and not get up and miss some games this year. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be shocked if he doesn't. He tries to extend and make every play a home run play, and that's going to cost him eventually. He was pretty beat up at the end of last year, and I give him credit. Drake is much, much bigger. What do you think? Legitimately 230? I saw him on a video the other day. I'm guessing 230-ish. I don't yeah. care what they say on the depth charts and all that, so that's always garbage <laughs> anyway. I want to guess 230. Caleb's never going to weigh 230 unless he's out of the league and retired. And he's just fat. He's just not built that way. Drake has a greater chance to survive. And he also has a coach that knows his future's the next level. The one thing about Mac is he really wants to see his kids succeed. And he's not going to put him in harm's way more than he has to. I bet you, if you could go to Vegas and make a bet right now, I wouldn't bet on May winning the Heisman. I would bet on May having fewer rushing yards. They're going to tell him you will not run as much. Because they know he's done after this year and he's going to the NFL. They're not dumb. It, it behooves them to keep him healthy and be the number one pick. It'll help North Carolina for 50 years. It's just true. Yeah. Long after Mac is off this earth, that'll be something that'll be a legacy for him. Like literally, yeah. if they get him and he ends up being the number one pick, that never changes. That is so helpful with recruiting. And I also think that uh, Archie Griffin's on a guy that's done it back-to-back -back years. It's not fair to Caleb. He won't win the Heisman unless it's just unbelievable 
because they don't like to vote for the same, which is dumb. If he deserves it, he should get it. But if they, he, they deserves it, it. he deserves it. That's right. They won't do it. I mean, he has to beat Drake or anybody else by like this much. I mean, it's and that's unfair, but I would also bet on him beating him in that regard. Uh, final point, Drake's going to be motivated. He's tired of hearing that too. Look, coaches and players always say publicly, we don't listen. I talk to guys off the record. I get phone calls from angry coaches on a quite a common occurrence. Sometimes at me and sometimes at other people. They are very thin-skinned people. They get pissed when they read stuff like that. They just won't admit it in front of a microphone. Trust me, Drake May is going to remember that. He's going to be motivated this season. And I think, like, Heisman or not for Drake, I, it legitimately feels like as someone who watches him and sees him and hears him talk all the time, like, he would probably love to win the Heisman, but I think cares infinitely more about Carolina's team success than he does holding that trophy in New York in early December. Um, and I think sometimes last year, as you were kind of alluding to, that led him to making plays that would potentially sacrifice his body, thinking it might help the team. When in actuality, Max always <laughs> like, listen, buddy, the best thing you can do to help this team is be in the game. So stop it. Brian, all that said, though, if if you were if you were having to take Drake or Caleb Williams or the field for the 23 Heisman, who would you take? So I get both of them or the field or I get Ooh, one. That's a good question. I was meaning them individually or the field. Yeah. I'll give you both of them versus the field. I would take both. I would take both because it's still not out of the question. Cause Caleb is a weird guy to like, what he's very mesmerizing. He's more, he's the sexier pick, if you yeah. will, yeah. the way he I plays. Will. Yeah. But I think that maybe this is kind of a sad thing that because Drake is going to be in situations, he has to play great. For them to win 38 to 35, I have zero faith in the defense until otherwise proven. Yeah. It'll be cool. And they're still in the ACC, Power 5 on the East Coast. That matters. It does. A lot of the old voters will openly admit, I'm going to bed at 9. You better be done. <laughs> it's just true. He'll have games that are incredible. He'll throw 3,600 yards this year. But I wonder if he can go four or less on picks. That's my – if he can do that, he's winning the Heisman. Yeah. Uh, Caleb doesn't throw many either. He takes some chances, but his arm strength is just through the roof. I, I'll be curious. So that interception number okay. and, and winning a couple of games, they got to beat like NC State or Clemson or my, there's got to be a hero moment. It doesn't have to be Doug Flutie. That's one of the, I remember that when I was a little kid seeing that, but there needs to be an, also a, a wow moment mm. at the end of last year, Caleb just destroyed my Irish in, in numerous plays and he won the Heisman in that game. Can he do that like a November play for Drake? Yeah. And that's yeah. that's hard to say. I I will – that's my pick. He's my pick to win the Heisman if all the things kind of play out that way. But they're, they're going to be 8-4, and 9-3 and three is my guess. And that that's the other thing. This stupidity yeah. with, oh, he's not on a top five team. That has nothing to do with the Heisman. But it's turned into that. If you don't make the playoffs or on the cusp, like Caleb didn't make it last year, but they were close. You can't win the Heisman is the theory, which is yeah. absolutely dumb to me. Yeah, man. Yep. Uh, seven picks was the number last year for Drake, but he only had three heading into that final four game collapse that we were just talking yeah. about. And so if Playing he can ball. save that <laughs> off. Exactly. Exactly. Now, Brian, what about from an NFL draft standpoint? Because every every big board I look at, these two guys are, you know, both of them in the top three everywhere I've looked. You know, I know you, we we look at 
like who they are as people that Drake is more the ah shucks good old Southern boy. Caleb's got this moxie that kind of I think is off putting to some people at times. Maybe some of the things he puts on his body and things of that nature. Um, what, what do you see from them both from a draft standpoint for next April? That second part is is the one that's very uncomfortable, but it's just it's the elephant in the room. Hmm. If I'm not going to repeat what he did, but sure, if sure. anybody that doesn't know what uh, Mr. Isaac Shade's talking about, <laughs> Google Caleb Williams fingernails. Don't ask why, just, just do it. Do it. <laughs> and I can tell you the other thing, like college coaches, scouts, etc., they are anal people and they, they are control freaks. Like Saban, it's talked about a lot because of his personality being explosive. He admits he's got an, you know, he's got a little bit of an abnormal personality. People in those NFL rooms are like that too. And Caleb's not a controllable guy. That's going to be a disadvantage for him. You don't, and he didn't do it once. He did it multiple times. And that's, I think it's going to cost him not only in the draft order, I guarantee you it will cost him with advertisers. Their mm. advertisers have already taken him off the board. I guarantee it. Yeah. Now they won't admit that because it's so political and all that. On the other side, Drake, He's the all shucks guy that can, you can put him into pretty much any kind of ad. You can like, remember Larry Bird, when I was a kid, he was such a goofy redneck guy. They used to almost like make fun of him on commercials, but it's sold. Yep. That's pretty much who Drake is. So that'll be a good thing for him. It'll make it easier. He's the easier eval. He's the guy you're not going to get a phone call at two in the morning. I mean, I don't think Caleb really is either. He's a really smart guy, Yep. but again, there, there are, pause there. It's look, if you did it, you did it. And he did it multiple times. That makes you wonder about his personality. I will never get to see it, but those backroom meetings that NFL execs have, like whoever the top 10 picks are, will get a chance to interview him because they talk about trading and all that stuff. Can you imagine what it would be like to listen when they look him in the eye and say, why did you do that? Because he's going to get asked every single time. Yes, and they're and they're going to be examining every like looking at his like is he everything. Those are the kinds of things yeah. that change who goes one, two, three, four in the draft because yeah. they're all great. Yeah. We need something to bring you down instead of bring you up. That's it's goofy, and they always talk about that in the draft on ESPN and stuff. We're overanalyzing. Well, what else are you going to do? The guy just murdered everybody in college football, and Drake <laughs> and Caleb are going to do that again this year. One of them has to come down, not go up. Woo, it's going to be an interesting football season, an interesting lead up to the draft. Can't wait to see it. Now, one of the things that Brian just alluded to a minute ago is if Carolina wants Drake to have a shot at winning some of these big time awards, they as a team are going to have to play well and that defense is going to have to play better. They're going to have a chance to prove it on the national stage in week one when college game day comes to Charlotte. Right. We talked earlier in the week about that. I want to ask Brian about the recruiting angle of this national spotlight, and we'll do that in just a second. All right, folks, we're joined today on Locked On Tar Heels by Brian Smith, Locked On's football recruiting insider. We've just been talking about Drake May versus USC's Caleb Williams, and now we want to move to week one. North Carolina, South Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina is the location, and college game day is going to be there. This is a massive opportunity for you everydayers. We talked about it earlier this week and why Carolina has to win this game so that they can continue to receive some kind of national recognition and break that four-game losing streak from last year. 
But today, I want to talk about the recruiting angle of a game like this. There's several wrinkles to it. But Brian, I just first want to ask, what, what does it mean for recruits as, I mean, inevitably, they're going to be sitting down to watch this thing. They're going to be watching game day, seeing all the crazy signs, seeing what headgear Corso puts on. And they're all going to be wondering, do I want to go to a team that loses on the national stage in week one? Or, you know, like what, what's going through their minds? What do you hear about in these kind of moments? Everybody's kind of curious because both these teams, both Carolinas, we don't know what's going to happen. At the end of last year, South Carolina caught fire. Yeah, they did. I mean, what they did to Tennessee, holy moly. I think they just scored again. It, it was bad. It was bad. And <laughs> Tennessee's defense was garbage, but still, I mean, what, they dropped like 50 or something? I yeah, it was wild. Yeah. But then they, they go play Notre Dame, and they have multiple chances to win that game, and they just completely shot themselves in the foot and lost. So they lost at the end. Carolina's coming off a four. You know, I mean, it's both teams have great quarterback talent. Both teams have defenses. You kind of go, eh, we don't know. And they both have playmakers. But now it's first game, Corso and all them. I think the kids are going to be more interested in see who's locked in hmm. and isn't worried about all the noise because these two teams don't get that. Let's be honest. South Carolina's history is not good in football. Their fans will tell you otherwise. They're the most delusional <laughs> fan base. In college football, South Carolina fans, they sell out every game. You know, they're terrible almost every year. But the bottom line is they'll, they'll come out and they will go crazy. I remember tailgating with some of those people last year. They are they're lunatics. But, <laughs> it, no, it's just true. I've never seen anything like that. But Carolina fans, they've got, a, they got Drake May to kind of bank on. This is a chance for him. We just talked about the Heisman. If you're going to go for 404. That's right. This is where it starts, and it's not like – I mean, their secondary at South Carolina is not that great. It's okay. They make some plays, but, I mean, Tyler Buckner, who I was not sorry as a Notre Dame fan to see leave, threw some touchdowns against them last year and made them look bad. If he can do it, I'm pretty confident that Drake may <laughs> It's not a very good comparison there, but that's all I've got. I, I think they need to make a statement game, and if that's the case, then recruits – you know, Max talked about putting the fence around. It starts with Charlotte. Mm. That city is the most underrated big city in the country for recruiting and talent. You and I were talking off air. There are a handful of kids every year that can literally pick their school out of the Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia. They all recruited hard. If you can keep those kids at home and you're playing, right? I mean, they're all going to watch. They can say they're not. They're all going to watch that game. Yeah. If you make a statement, it changes where those kids go, man. It's you, you got to like you, you got to punch them in the mouth. You can't win on a line. Like go out, beat them forty-one to twenty. That would be a statement. Now, <laughs> that would indeed be a statement. And and you know South Carolina is looking. Uh, it's interesting. Both teams have had a, a leg up in the series recently. Carolina won the uh, first game of Sam Howell's freshman year. Drake or um, Mac Brown's first game back in two point But then South Carolina recently won when they played, and so both both teams are looking for some revenge there now. Brian, here's here's an NCAA level question I have for you is one of the things that's weird, unfortunate. I don't even really know what to make of it is that schools cannot host recruits at neutral site games. A, are you in favor of that or no? And then B, how do you go about getting recruiting capital out of a game like this if you can't host them at the game itself? 
The second one is kind of like being able to see in pitch black. It just doesn't work. Um, that's, that's, you know, you and I were talking about the biggest cocktail party or world, whatever it is, you know, it's, they don't like us to use that terminology anymore for <laughs> Georgia, but as a revenue point, it's probably going to stick. But I know Kirby has talked about openly Georgia would like it to be home and home. So you can host recruits. Do you think a few kids would come to see Georgia play Florida? I think so. I'm going. Yes. Kirby's a hundred percent. Right. It's dumb, and I, I'm not sure what the angle is on, okay, oh, this is terrible. It's a neutral site. It'd be terrible for the kid. What is the point? First, I have no idea. Like, I guess they can give them some tickets to go, but you can't communicate with them. That's like inviting a girl to the dance, but you stand over there, and I'll stand over here with his wave. <laughs> That's what middle school dances are, Brian. Come on. That's well. I hope we've went past that with this, but anyway, yeah, I don't think it's a very good rule and the kids don't get enough out of it. Yeah. They don't, you know, I understand it's not on campus and this and that, but you should at least be able to go down to the sidelines before the ball game, shake hands. My name is, Hey, I haven't seen you. How's your day? Just pleasantries for the love of mankind and then not to feel awkward about it. Now there may be a time limit where they need to go up or something like that. There's gotta be a happy medium there. Because otherwise, a really cool game. You give you got to give both Carolinas credit. Don't kid yourself. These ads are after one thing, and that's money. They want as many home games as possible because that's butts and seats and big name boosters close to them. They're hoping they're going to write a check. That's all they care about. I don't care what anybody says. That is it. So they played this neutral site game. What else are you gaining? Like if you talk to Mac, first things he's going to mention is recruiting, but it is Charlotte, and that's an area that you know that nothing else. The newspapers, the local radio, and all that will be there. They still need to add that extra element. And I, I can't remember, but I don't think it's ever been a situation you were allowed to do that. Hmm. Like, this goes back decades. It's just, but then again, I don't like the NCAA, so I'm biased. And uh, I don't think I'm alone in that sentiment. But uh, I, I don't think I know anybody that likes the NCAA, actually. But it's such a bad organization. It really is. So, man. Okay, good. That's so interesting and helpful, Brian, to kind of put a bow on everything we've been talking about with this game. Obviously, going to have a ton of chatter about it throughout the month of August as as we lead up and see what these two teams will do. And uh, really appreciate your thoughts and insight. By the way, folks, want to plug something that Brian sent me earlier this week. Recently, we talked on the show about defensive back Jalen Thompson that committed to North Carolina's class of 24 out of Orlando. Brian was actually able uh, to recently catch up with Jalen in person, face to face, recorded, was kind enough to record a little interview for us, just about a minute long or so. And we're actually going to share that on tomorrow's show. But man, just wanted to shout Brian out while he was on with us today to say thanks for that. And uh, you all can look forward to it tomorrow. Brian, thanks so much for always for your great work, for thinking of us even when you're off the clock with Locked On. And I uh, can't wait to talk to you again soon. All right, buddy. I appreciate it. Go Tar Heels. That's it for today's episode of Locked On Tar Heels. Big thanks to Brian Smith, as always, for joining us and his great insights. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. Follow me at Isaac Shade. Also, make sure you go and give Brian a follow. You can email the show, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe anywhere you listen to or watch podcasts. Smash the like button and leave comments about today's show. We'd love to know your thoughts. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. We'll be right back with you tomorrow on Friday's show to wrap up the week. But until then, peace. Peace.